Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are continuing our political movie series by talking about Frost Nixon, directed by Ron Howard from 2009. Excited to dive a little deeper into this movie that I felt like when it came out was appreciated, but it seemed like it wasn't a huge contender at the Oscars. Like other things were kind of overshadowing it, but it's a really good movie. And I know this is the first time that you've watched it, Katie. So excited to get your thoughts on it. Yes. I am super ashamed of myself because I had never seen this movie and I am, I mean, you know this, Jared, but I am like obsessed with the Mm -hmm. Watergate scandal to the point where I feel like I know a lot more about Watergate than I do a lot of, you know, basic math and other things that we actually need for life. Um, But I I was even thinking today, I don't read a ton of nonfiction, but I've been trying to challenge myself to read more nonfiction. But if you put any book in front of me that is about Watergate, I will read it. (laughs) Yes. There you go. So we will be talking about Frost Nixon today. And before we get into our recommendations and corrections, there's just one news item. Netflix has a new movie coming out with George Clooney called The Midnight Sky. It's kind of like a science fiction action movie um it'll be coming out though on december 23rd so whereas like disney plus has soul as their kind of big christmas movie netflix i think is trying to use this as kind of their big christmas movie um they have netflix has some other christmas related films coming out but those aren't as big budget as this or don't have you know george clooney in them or stars of similar caliber so um interested to kind of watch this movie, we'll probably talk about it here on the podcast because Felicity Jones is in it, Kyle Chandler, David Oello. Um, so lots of people are in this movie. But I thought it was interesting that instead of like going to the theaters this year like we normally do for Christmas movies, it seems like a lot of streaming services are trying to do big releases around Christmas, probably to get people to sign up if they haven't already, but also to kind of still create a little bit of sense of normalcy of like, hey, there's a big movie coming out around the holidays that we can watch. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that yet. So thanks for telling me. And I'm sad because this was the first time I realized I won't be seeing a movie like for Christmas in the theater, but it's okay. Yeah, that's just less money and less time. I have to go do something in the snow. (laughs) So fine by me. But now I, I definitely need to put it on my list tonight to watch the trailer for that movie. Yes, it's, it looks interesting. So um, that'll be coming out December 23rd on Netflix, The Midnight Sky with George Clooney. So that's really the only news item, though. Nothing else big really happening right now. And we do have one correction, and we're going to talk about this actor a lot today because he is in Frost Nixon. But last week, if you listen to our episode, we had a little debate over how to say Frank Langella's name. And that is how you say it, Frank Langella, not Frank Langella. But you went to the research to actually look up the yes, pronunciation. Yes, but let the record show I was the one that was wrong. So I thought it was with a hard G and it is gel like you put gel in your hair. So if that helps anyone, it certainly helped me. It is Frank Langella. So that is how you say his name. So we'll be saying that today here on the show. And it's uh, Ron Howard that directed the movie. I know that one's can be hard sometimes too. So Ron, Ron (laughs) Howard. (laughs) We have some recommends for you now. Katie, you are reading a book right now, or you read a book, another book of the month book that you really enjoyed. Yes. You know, we hadn't mentioned book of the month for like one episode and I, I wanted to remember. They were getting a little upset because they were like, we sponsor you unofficially. So we need you to talk about us. (laughs) 
Well, I wanted to mention this book because I was really surprised by the book. I was reading it last week and finished it in a couple of days, but it's called The Girl in the Mirror. It's okay. by Rose Carlyle. And I, I don't actually know where she's from, but it takes place mostly in Australia. Well, no, it's not even just Australia. It's all over, but it's not, okay. it's not in the U.S. Um, but it was a thriller and it was about identical twin sisters. And mm. last week when we recorded, I think I was like 60 pages in and I was really bored with it. Like I wasn't even sure I was going to finish it, but I paid for it. And I was like, well, I really like twins. Um, but I, something happened like that night in the book and it just took my breath away. And then the rest of the book was fantastic. So I ended okay. up loving it, but I was surprised how slow going it was at the beginning. Yeah. And then, I'm I didn't do this on purpose, but in keeping with our political theme movies right now, I am reading the book Rage by Bob Bob Woodward. And he, of course, is one of the journalists who uncovered the Watergate scandal. But we'll definitely talk about him in the All the President's Men episode. Yes, we will. So also uh, my recommends. We talked about Aaron Sorkin last week with the trial of the Chicago seven. Aaron Sorkin did a YouTube video for Wired magazine where he basically answered people's screenwriting questions. It's like 15 minutes long. Um, But it's really if you're interested in that, it's really good to hear from like, you know, a screenwriter of his quality kind of answer. People had questions about story or how do I write a villain character or, you know, kind of what's your favorite thing that you've written? And, you know, they asked one person asked him, like, if you could write any episode of any TV show, even if it wasn't your own, what would you pick? So, like, that's really interesting to watch. Um, But it's uh, on YouTube. And again, Wired Magazine did it with Aaron Sorkin. So just search that and you'll find it. So also, I was going to ask you, did you see that the SNL this past weekend with Adele? I have not yet. I've heard some bad things. Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't love the episode, but there is yeah. another uh, Chad sketch with Pete Davidson, which is one of our favorite <gasps> reoccurring oh uh, sketches gosh. that they do. So, okay. I need. <laughs> yeah. So, I will definitely watch that. It's on my list because I'd watched the episode previously. Um, but I okay. want to watch it. But I just heard some bad things. But also this week, I feel like I've had just a crazy week so far. So I haven't yeah. watched really any TV. So, you know, the next few days, I've got to watch The Bachelorette. I've mm-hmm. got to watch Dancing with the Stars. I'll have to watch SNL. And then, oh, I did have two more recommendations okay. if we have time. Sure. I did. I had never seen. Wait, were you done with the Adele news? Because I don't want to stop. you. Yeah, basically. I just wanted to tell you that there was a Chad sketch because okay. we both think those are funny with Pete <laughs> um, Davidson. So <laughs> they are hilarious. Highly recommend for anybody. <laughs> and then I had never watched the show. My guest needs no introduction with David Letterman. It's mm-hmm. on Netflix, but I watched only one episode so far. I watched the Lizzo one because I love her. It was so good. And David Letterman, I, I'm proud of him because he's from Indiana and he's someone that I'm actually happiest from Indiana. And then Lizzo, they both seemed really genuinely interested in what the other person had to say. It was such a respectful interview. Um, so I highly recommend it. And then next I'm going to watch the Dave Chappelle one because he lives okay. right near me. Yeah, and I then, watched the uh, Robert Downing Jr. one the other day. Oh, yes, so, yes. I, had watched I saw that. Sh- I'd watched the show before, but I watched that one and that was really good. Same thing where they're both just really interested in what the other person has to say. And they talk about Robert Downey Jr., you know, his struggle with drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. earlier in his career and how he kind of got back on his feet. And he he's very blunt in like addressing those types of things with David Letterman. So it's really it that's really interesting too. I haven't watched the Lizzo one yet. And then what was the other one? Kim Kardashian Kim. is the other one, right? For this I'm season. I'm not gonna which watch I'm, that one. Yeah. I'm kind of fifty fifty on that. It. So I 
I do think I'll watch. I said I saw that, but I didn't watch the Robert Downey Jr. episode, but I plan to watch that one. Okay. And then I think the last thing I wanted to mention, if people like Frost Nixon or if you're interested in it after we talk about the episode, I by chance came across an episode on YouTube. It's a it's 25, 30 minute interview um, by Theater Talk. The episode is called Franklin Jella on Frost Nixon, and it was fascinating. He talked about his role because he won a Tony for this in the mm-hmm. play. And then he also now has reprised the role or whatever in the movie. But it's fascinating to talk about how he he didn't get to know Nixon, but he got to talk to people that were involved at the time. And then he was also friends with Arthur Miller, the playwright. Okay. And he tells this crazy story in the interview about Marilyn Monroe, one of the multiple times that she overdosed and had to get medical attention. But it was a fascinating interview. So if you're interested in that, I highly recommend that as well. Very nice. So with that, we'll just move into our review of Frost Nixon, released in January of 2009, rated R. I will say this is a very mild R rating. It says some language, and when they say some language, they mean like maybe six words in the whole movie. (laughs) Like it's not very much at all. So very mild R rating uh, for this one. So don't, don't worry about that too much. It's two hours and two minutes. IMDb is 7.7 out of 10. And then Rotten Tomatoes critics, 93%. Audience, 88%. So pretty highly regarded with the critics and also the audience, both groups liking this movie, which is always good. That usually lets you know that a movie is good when both both the audience and the critics agree that they enjoyed the film. So, And if you don't know, the synopsis for this movie, first the box office, $18 million domestically, $27 million worldwide. Not that much money, which I was kind of surprised when I saw this on your notes here, but it did not make that much money at the box office. Again, kind of January releases are always kind of weird. Avatar, I know, was out at this time, I think, or maybe it came out December of 2009. I can't remember, but something big was probably out in the theaters when this was. Um, So it just didn't get a huge theatrical audience. But yeah, if... If you don't know, the synopsis is a dramatic retelling of the post-Watergate television interviews between British talk show host David Frost and former President Richard Nixon. And it is based on a play where both of these actors that are in this movie, Frank Langella and Martin Sheen, performed the play, um, you know, on Broadway. And they did it some other places, too, right? Did they do it in the West End in London? I can't they remember. They might have. I didn't okay. look that up, actually, but that I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I just know about the, the Tony and on Broadway. Yes. So some critics reviews for this movie. First, we have Christy Lemire of the Associated Press, who says, you never feel like you're watching a play on film. The way Morgan has opened up the proceedings in his screenplay feels organic under the direction of Ron Howard, who has crafted his finest film yet and one of the year's best. High praise for this one because Ron Howard has done quite a lot of movies, multiple movies that we've done here on this show. So for her to say that this is his best movie, definitely giving that high praise. And then next up, we have James Christopher of The Times in the UK, who say, uh, says, it sounds like an awful night out in the cinema, but you will be amazed. And Frox Nixon, Ron Howard turns this duel between Michael Sheen's glossy playboy and Frank Langella's shifty ex-president into a gripping tango of egos. And finally, Calvin Wilson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, who says, plays often lose their energy when adapted for the screen, but even on the stage, Frost Nixon has a cinematic dynamism, and Howard has only enhanced that quality. So, high, high uh, regard from all those critics, and it was directed by Ron Howard. We mentioned him in episode 54 of the podcast when we talked about Apollo 13 earlier this year. 
He's been nominated for four Oscars. He won Best Director and Best Picture for A Beautiful Mind in 2000. And not in 2009. That's not... I forget when A Beautiful Mind came out. 2001? Is that when that came out? I will double check that for you. <laughs> okay, certainly. Uh, and then he's also known for Apollo 13, Cocoon, and for narrating Arrested Development. So Yes, A Beautiful Mind... My apologies. A Beautiful Mind is no 2001. I think, I think the reason I was putting that... I was thinking about Frost Nixon, which was 2009. Yes. Have been when so. he was nominated and everything for Oscars. Also, whenever we talk about Ron Howard, I have to mention that I have met Ron Howard, and he was very nice, but I only interacted with him for about 20 seconds. But Too he was nice. Cool. So... You know, we always like to bring up our celebrity interactions on this show, which aren't many. We're not, you know, super connected to Hollywood. I mean, but we have each of us have met a few celebrities. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you remember Uh, that time that I was in the same room? Do you remember that time I was in the same room with Tom Hanks? Yes, I do. I'm so jealous of you for that, that you and Tom Hanks shared the same air. You know, I can't believe and it was before the air was infected with coronavirus. (laughs) Yes, it was. It was when the air was safe to breathe together. So. Yeah, I'm still upset that I didn't get to go hang out with Tom Hanks and you. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, you're a great hang. friend, but yeah. I, we, I pretend we're great friends, but he probably still doesn't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody asked him, like, Katie Ganey, she was at that thing you did at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was nice. <laughs> there was someone staring at say. me for an uncomfortable amount of time in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> that was her. So we'll take a quick break here on the Silver Screen Podcast, and then we will come back and talk about the cast and our likes and dislikes for Frost Nixon. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about Frost Nixon, directed by Ron Howard, which came out in 2009. This has a large cast. We're only going to focus on a couple of main cast members because it really is an ensemble cast besides Frank Langella and Martin Sheen. But we're going to start with Frank Langella, who plays Richard Nixon. Yes. Frank Langella is from a large Italian-American family. He grew up in New Jersey. He is best known for Masters of the Universe, Robot and Frank, Frost Nixon, and The Box. And he recently starred in The Trials of the Chicago 7, which we covered in our previous episode. You can currently watch that on Netflix. And next up, you can see him in Lapham Rising and Martyrs Crossing. Hmm. Very nice. And I should have mentioned, I don't know why I didn't mention it. He, I think I did and then forgot, but he won an Oscar for, he was nominated for an Oscar for this performance. He did not win, but he did win a Tony for the play. Yes. And then next up we have Martin Sheen. He plays David Frost, who is the journalist in this film. He is originally from Wales. This is my personal favorite performance I've seen Michael Sheen in. Um, He is best known for The Queen, Frost Nixon, Midnight in Paris, and the TV show Masters of Sex. Next up, he's going to be a voice in an animated version of Heart of Darkness. And I put, I must say, I'm intrigued because I don't know if I am. How are they going to do an animated version? But okay. Yes. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe that'll be a Christmas Disney release. (laughs) Just a nice, light Heart of Darkness animated movie. Yeah. Right. And then next up, we have Sam Rockwell. He plays James Reston Jr. His birthday is coming up on November 5th, so just next week. He is best known for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, Seven Psychopaths, Vice, Fosse Verndon, and Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. He's been nominated for two Best Supporting Actor Oscars for Vice and Three Billboards, and he won for Three Billboards in 2018. 
Next up, he will be playing the country singer Merle Haggard in an as-yet-untitled Merle Haggard biopic. Hmm, very interesting. So I didn't, I've never heard Sam Rockwell sing, so I'm yeah, interested to see how, how well he can sing. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm interested in that too. And then there was an all-star cast in this movie. I think we say that about every movie, but I really enjoyed the particular cast because a lot of these people I've only seen in like one or two other projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so it also starred Rebecca Hall, Kevin Bacon, Toby Jones, Matthew McFadden, Oliver Platt and Clint Howard. Again, Clint Howard is, of course, the brother of Ron Howard. And we mentioned him because he also has a part in Apollo 13. Yes. Also, if you're wondering what this lost to at the Oscars, because I know whenever we bring up the Oscars, I'm always like, what did this not win against? So Mm -hmm. best picture winner for that year was Slumdog Millionaire. Um, And the nominees for best picture were Slumdog Millionaire, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Frost Nixon, Milk and The Reader. I have never seen The Reader. I've seen these wow. Rusty's movies. Oh, I have. But okay. it has a lot of a lot of fornication in it. So okay. maybe don't watch it around your parents. Okay. Good to know. And then Franklin Jello lost out to best actor to Sean Penn for the movie Milk. He played Harvey okay. Milk in that movie, which yep. okay, sure. Yeah. And the other nominees in that category were Richard Jenkins, Brad Pitt, and Mickey Rourke. And then um, this lost base. This lost every Oscar it was nominated for. It that lost is best so adapted sad. Screenplay. It lost best picture. It lost best director. All of that. So. That is so sad. Also, uh, I love Brad Pitt and absolutely everything, but I think Richard Jenkins is one of the most underappreciated actors of this generation. He, I mean, he's not our generation, but he is fantastic mm-hmm. in everything he does. Yes, he really is. So he, he was, I mean, he was great in Shape of Water, which he did win the Oscar yes. for, I believe, if I remember correctly. So, or maybe not. I'll look it up. You can <laughs> thank continue you. with your fun facts while I look well, up thank you. Richard yes. Jenkins' Oscars. I, of course, have, what would a historical episode be about with without me saying fun facts and historical inaccuracies? Um, these facts were all found on Wikipedia, if you want to look under Frost Nixon interviews, and also on histori- historum.com. So that ends in okay. R-U-M. Um, also, uh, and, real yes. quick, Richard Jenkins did not win Best Supporting Actor in 2018. I didn't think he, Nominated, but didn't win. Yeah, I didn't think he. So. I didn't think he did. Um, <laughs> well, I wasn't sure, but I was. I it didn't sound right to me. Okay, so anyway, I think all <laughs> of these are fascinating. So the true interviews were broadcast on CBS's 60 Minutes. They started on May 1st, 1977, and they went on for five weeks. The premiere episode. This is insane, Jared. It drew 45 million viewers, the largest television audience for a political interview in history, a record that still stands today. And I did double check that it is accurate, like still today. That's the most people that have watched a political interview. Yeah, it's uh, pretty wild. So if you watch the recent uh, 60 Minutes, they interviewed this past Sunday, both presidential candidates and vice presidential candidates. And I think that only got like 17 or 18 million, which is still a big number for TV yeah. today, but when you think 45 million, that's literally almost three times what the interview yeah. with, you know, the current political candidates got. So it had a ton of viewers. Yeah. Yes. And then a Gallup poll conducted after the interviews aired showed that 69% of the public thought Nixon was still trying to cover up. 72% still thought he was guilty of obstruction of justice and 75% thought he deserved no further role in public life. Um, and also, Frost, who conducted the interview, was expected to make $1 million because of these interviews. Okay. 
And then here's where we get into more of the historical inaccuracies. So I, <laughs> I liked to know this because unfortunately, all the ones I'm about to name were, of course, the things I wanted to have happened in real life and none of them did. Um, so the drunk phone call in the film at night where Nixon calls Frost, that never happened. But okay. Nixon was known to make late night phone calls, especially during the Watergate investigation. That was when he would call people to cover things up, et cetera, that got recorded. Okay. And then Frost never gifted Nixon the expensive shoes that he did in the film. And then they weren't friends like it portrays them in the movie. Like they weren't buddies that appreciated each other in the end. (laughs) Which uh, to me, I was like, that was the most heartfelt part was like, oh my gosh, both men have showed tremendous growth because Frost was kind of this playboy guy or whatever. And then he's like Mm -hmm. suddenly this revered journalist that's taken seriously. And then Nixon made all these horrible mistakes. And by the end of the film, I felt genuine sadness for him. And then I find out it's all crap. None of that happened. And then (laughs) (laughs) uh, these were two very interesting points. I'm glad somebody pointed this out. So uh, they, they portray in the film that Nixon confessed to Watergate out of guilt rather than as a deliberate strategy to improve his reputation. But that was why he did it was, it was a strategy. He was very strategic and very intelligent. And the second is that he confesses to Watergate because Frost tricked him in the film. That's what we see. But really he had planned ahead with his advisors to confess, to gain the respect of the public again. Okay. I mean, that kind of makes sense. I see why they changed it for the movie for more dramatic effect. It makes it more interesting. But yeah, if you're going into like a big television interview, it makes sense that you would talk with your advisors beforehand of like what you wanted to talk about. And you see that even in the movie, like Frost is talking to Kevin Bacon's character about like what they want to discuss during the interviews and how long they're going to be and stuff like that. So that makes more sense that Nixon like had a whole plan going into it than instead of just, you know, winging it for a big, big TV interview. Yes, it just breaks my heart a little. And then speaking of sad things, um, David Frost, he he gained a great reputation and continued his work in journalism, but he suddenly died of a heart attack um, while he was on a cruise ship. He was a speaker on a cruise ship. He was only 74. But what was cool, he has a memorial stone in Westminster Abbey. That's how much he is appreciated and loved in England. Very cool. So very neat. So with that, we'll move into our likes and dislikes for this movie. Uh, we've talked about this a lot recently with other movies that we've done, but this movie is the same way and that the acting is great. Of course, we mentioned that Frank Langella was nominated for an Oscar for this. This was nominated for Best Picture. So the casting was really good, especially the supporting cast, because like nowadays, like Sam Rockwell and Matthew McFadden, Faden, who's on Succession, and, you know, Kevin Bacon, Rebecca Hall, they could all be leads in a movie if they yes. wanted to be. So the fact that they're supporting actors and actresses here really just shows you, like, how stacked the, the cast is. Such a great point. And I, I felt like this movie really um, rang true to that saying there are no small parts, only small actors. Mm-hmm. Like, the, every part was really pretty critical in this film. Everybody offered something. Um, and you bring up a great point about so many of these people now are either really revered or they've won an Oscar or now they're leads in films. And even like Oliver Platt, I couldn't even remember the last thing I'd seen him in, but I've liked him in every role he's ever played that I've seen. And so it was just nice to see his face again. And then Matthew McFadden, you're right. I love succession and he's great (laughs) on that show. But the only thing I'd seen him in, um, that was a big thing that a lot of women, especially know him from is pride and prejudice. He was in the new pride and prejudice with Kira Knightley. 
um, which he's fantastic in. But other than that in Succession, I, I've seen him in other things, but not a ton of other things. And he was really, really good in this. And then Kevin Bacon, I expected Kevin Bacon, actually, he's the third build, at least when the credits start. Okay. Um, but I thought it was neck and neck between his character versus Matthew McFadden and Sam Rockwell. I couldn't mm-hmm. tell, you know, who who was a more pivotal role or what have you. But the acting was so good. And then lastly, to the the acting, I everybody kept talking about Langella's acting skills, which I don't dispute at all. He is phenomenal, and I would have been irate if he wasn't nominated for an Oscar for it. But I thought Michael, or yeah, Michael Sheen did really just as good a job. He just didn't have to do like an accent or the jowls or anything like that, like facial makeup. But mm-hmm. I thought he did such a good job bringing humanity to that character. Yeah, I would. That was one of my likes for the movie is that you see, and you already mentioned it before, but how you see from the beginning of the movie to the end how Frost's character kind of goes, like you said, from this playboy, um, you know, entertainment late night talk show host type character to I'm really want to do these serious interviews and talk to Richard Nixon and everybody thinks he's crazy at the beginning of the movie but then as it goes on you see that he really is dedicated to it like that scene after Nixon calls him late at night like when he's in his hotel room he just starts researching everything and going through old tapes and you know that's kind of the point for me where I kind of saw that like hey this guy is really invested in making this the best interview possible he's not just doing it for the money or for you know the fame or something like that so that was one of my favorite things about the movie was kind of the character arc of his character and then also Nixon's as well because you see Nixon trying to redeem himself a little bit and almost knows that he did wrong and wants to try to win back some mm-hmm. you know sympathy with the American people and that's portrayed very subtly by Frank Langella in a lot of scenes with his acting or facial expressions or things like that so yeah, acting's great in this movie. Also, Ron Howard's direction is really good. If you haven't, and you're a big fan of Ron Howard or want to learn more about directing, Ron Howard has a master class on directing, which I Ooh. signed up for last year and did. Um, but it was really interesting, and he uses Frost Nixon in a lot of his videos as examples for directing. Like He walks you through a scene from this movie um, and things like that. So he tries to use this movie a lot for his directing master class, which I think shows that it's probably... He he thinks it's also probably one of his best directed movies to use as an example. Um, but his direction in this is really good, especially trying to take something that was a play, turn it into a movie. Sometimes that doesn't always work well, which is another one of your likes, but I think he does a really good job in this, in this film doing that. Yeah. I, I definitely think this like is twofold for me because I think this movie, when you have good actors, that's great. And it makes for entertainment like value. But Mm -hmm. I think that Ron Howard knew what was critical to put in the film, how to make sure both men seem very human, um, how to bring up both of their weaknesses. And then, I mean, the normal stuff you expect from a great director, cool shots, cool camera angles, great set Mm -hmm. design, stuff like that. But I definitely, I can't think of a film Ron Howard's done that I didn't really like or wasn't impressed by to some degree. Like A Beautiful Mind is good, but it's not one of my favorite films. Mm -hmm. But I, I recognize how good it is. But I think this is definitely one of my favorite films of his. And then I, like you mentioned, I think this was great, a great example of seeing a play that can translate to the screen really well. Like the the recent ones I can think of, like I thought Fences was a good adaptation. Yeah, yep. 
Um, there was one. You other- and I saw oh. August Osage County together, and yes. you thought that was pretty good, but not yeah, great. It's, it's just yeah. depressing. It's a great yeah. like. It's a great play. I that's one of those where I'd almost rather see the play um, mm-hmm. than the film. But yeah, but it did translate well. And then the other thing I recently saw that was on Netflix was the one I can't. I'm gonna have to look it up. The one that Carrie Washington was just in. Um, okay. With the sun, it's oh, an American Sun. Okay. And it's a play and they did it for a Netflix movie and it's nominated for an Emmy. And I think, I think she won. I, now I need to check that too, but that was another great example of a good adaptation. And I don't think I mean, and I just named three or four that worked well, but there's so many times where that happens or there's an adaptation from a book to a film and it doesn't do very well. And I thought this really did very well. Definitely did. So kudos to the screenwriter and to Ron Howard for being able to adapt that in a way that makes sense for a movie, but still stays true to the the play as well and and what they're trying to do with the play. So also the storytelling is really great in this movie. Um, As we've mentioned, you see both characters go through pretty big character arcs throughout the film. It really is focused basically on those two characters and trying to learn more about their personal lives. Um, And I think that's one thing that sometimes we talk about in movies, especially I know you will bring up sometimes in dislikes is that you just feel like you're not connected to the characters or you don't know a lot about the characters or you can't feel compassion or sympathy for the characters just because you don't know them well but in this they do a really great job of letting you know a lot about frost and letting you know a lot about nixon a person you probably already know a decent amount about since he was president and had a big scandal so but i think the (laughs) the storytelling aspects in this are really good Yes, I completely agree. Also, I don't see that American Sun won any Emmys. I just know it was not okay. Um, okay. But yes, I thought that this was like such dynamic storytelling. Um, this movie quite unexpectedly brought me to tears at the end. Um, okay. Well, ad- almost at the end where they're doing the scene where Nixon, at least the way it was portrayed, seemed to have genuine remorse for what he'd done. And this leads me into I, I did kind of this is another like of mine. I love when movies teach you something like there is actually something to be gained from watching the film. And I think that's why I'm so enamored with Watergate because Nixon was a human being just like the rest of us. And he made a ton of mistakes and normally I'm on the hate train for him. But if this, (laughs) but this movie really made me remember that he was a father, a husband He tried to be the best president he could be. Um, He did a horrible job at the end, but he he made strides with a lot of good. There was a lot of good progress made under him. Um, And the main the main thing that tripped him up in the end was that he lied. And I will not bring up specific examples, but I do think we can see this a lot today with our politicians. If people can't own up to their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions, even, even if it's not their fault, but if they can take responsibility and say, we could have done better. Um, because I think a lot of times politicians forget that they work for us, not the other way around, um, because they're elected by the people and serve the people. I, I think Nixon, that's what my dad has always told me about Watergate because he lived through it. And he's just like, Nixon should have, he, he needed to take responsibility. And ultimately it seems like that's what he does in the interviews. Um, but I wish more people would learn about Watergate or watch movies like this so that they could learn the lesson of like why it's important to admit fault and take responsibility for your actions and apologize. You're never going to get in trouble for apologizing when you feel like you've done something wrong. 
Yeah. So, and I think the we're going to talk more about Watergate too next week with the, all the president's men, which we'll be reviewing next week. But that kind of starts. That's kind of the other side of Watergate from the journalist media perspective, whereas mm-hmm. this is more from the Richard Nixon perspective of how he feels about Watergate and, like you said, having remorse and being, you know, sad and and the fact that he lied and everything like that. And I think the scene that gets what I thought was kind of emotional too is right at the end of the interview when he's getting in the car and Frost is inside looking out through the window and Nixon's kind of in the car and they're both looking at each other and there's a close-up of Nixon and you can just tell that he's like he's somewhat relieved that he Mm -hmm. let that information out but he also still feels like that you know people may not still take him you know back as a good politician or there are things like that so that was really portrayed well and that again there's no there's no uh words writing script during that part it's just two guys looking at each other but you can really feel like frost is like i accomplished what i wanted to do and nixon's like i gave him maybe more information than i wanted to but i Mm -hmm. feel partially better about doing that so well and i there was something that um the character uh sam rockwell's character said he was saying that you know from this event on everything was given the suffix gate that's like mm-hmm. negative. Yep. And I've even used it in everyday language, like as a joke, um, when I've made mistakes and I say gate at the end. And then I think what else makes me sad and it kind of comes up in the interview when Frost says like, this will haunt you for the rest of your life. And he, he said it as a caution, like you need to admit fault mm-hmm. or it will haunt you. But I think no matter what Nixon did, this did haunt him the rest of his life because what we know, you know, what people my age know about Nixon, the first thing you think of is Watergate. You don't think mm-hmm. like, oh, he made these trade deals and he did great things with, with our, with Asian counterparts and other allies that we have. What we remember is Watergate. And that's, that's sad because that's not all there was to him. But that's why I think this movie was really great to watch because this does a much better job. All the President's Men is one of my favorite movies. We know this. Mm -hmm. But this movie, I love that it does portray more of the element of how did Nixon feel? However, I did read um, this movie. I didn't come up with this language myself, but this movie definitely slants to favor Frost much more than Nixon. It makes Frost look good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, and his name is even for, I mean, the movie of the, the name of the movie, the name of the play is Frost Nixon, not mm-hmm. Nixon Frost. So right. that's kind of <laughs> evident there too. So, um, but yeah, when we talk about all the president's men, that's more about how Watergate was actually uncovered, how they discovered the information, how they started the investigation in Watergate. Katie's microphone just broke. So she'll be back <laughs> here in a second. <laughs> my pop filter fell. Oh, okay. So if anyone heard it, everything is fine. It's just my pop filter. <laughs> I think I got a little too air? excited because I wave my I wave my arms around and stuff, and so sometimes I you just, were just so excited about talking about Watergate. Yeah, I was like Watergate, and then then an explosion. Anyway, do you, you have any saying, other likes before we move on to dislikes at all? Um, I did want to mention the set design and the costumes. This has oh, come yeah. up yep. in other. This seems to come up a lot when we talk about sixties and seventies movies because I love that time period mm-hmm. so much. I'm don't get me wrong though. I'm glad I didn't live through it, but <laughs> I thought that it was. Uh, they did a tremendous job in this film, in particular, with the set design and the costumes. I at no point remembered I was living in 2020 when I was watching this film, um, except to see horrifying um, similarities to what's happening now. But other than that, like everything people were wearing and stuff, it just it looked like we were in 1977. Yeah, like all this, the guys' suits were, you know, the, that was that time when like suits were in weird colors, like 
orange and you <laughs> yeah. know like a weird tan shade and so like there's some of those in the movie or there's just like outfits that don't like fit as well as they should because that was more about like more loose fitting clothing um and things like that so you'll see that on like a lot of the guys outfits is like you're like why are their slacks so like loose like their legs aren't that big but that's just like how they you know that was the style back that then. was bell so, bottoms yeah, and then the women's clothing too. Like Rebecca Hall wears a lot of very cool dresses and other outfits yeah. in this movie as well. So yeah, the costume design and the and the set design and everything is really good. So uh, with that, we'll move on to the dislikes. We don't have too many for this movie. We both enjoyed it. But a dislike for me and for, for you is that it's a little slow initially. It's kind of setting up the, the Frost character. It's setting up Nixon. It's kind of showing you how Frost wants to transition from just being an entertainment journalist to uh, you know a news journalist. Um, but until they get to the actual starting the interviews, it's a little... I mean, I get they're setting up the story, but it's a little slow. So... Yeah, I thought the same thing. This actually was a lot like that book that I mentioned earlier that I read last <laughs> week. The The beginning, it's not like it wasn't entertaining. I thought it was interesting to see where all the men were working before they got pulled into this investigation. But there's not much I remember, or not investigation. I mean, it kind of was like a journalistic mm-hmm. investigation. Yeah. But the only thing I really remember from the first hour that I was amazed by was the fact that Diane Sawyer was involved in this journalism stuff and that she worked for Nixon at the time, which I could go down a whole rabbit hole about that. Um, but she did work for him. I looked that up to make sure that was accurate and she had conversations with him, um, and did follow him even after he had resigned. Um, so she did help him write his memoirs and stuff. And she, she is not at all like overly sympathetic to him, but she even said like, it was hard to watch this happen to someone who who initially was in the presidency for the right reasons and then made really bad choices. But anyway, yes. that her her being involved was the only thing I remember from the first like 45 minutes. Um, but it picked up speed and I couldn't look away during the second half of the movie. Yeah. Also, I kind of wonder, since this is based on a play, like when did intermission come in the play? Is it like right before yeah. they start the interviews? You know, is that kind of the, because like you said, once we get to that, it gets a lot more interesting and there's more tension and drama and things like that. So I kind of wonder, you know, with the Broadway production of this, like where did they put intermission? You know, they put it mm-hmm. there or, you know, some somewhere else. So also I did look it up and this was, uh, this did perform on Broadway and then also in London's West End and cool. Langella and Sheen were in both uh, productions for a little time on the one on Broadway and the one that was in London. So excellent. Excellent. So some other dislikes for this, um, you know, one thing that we kind of harp on on this show is like when we cover a historical event and then, you know, Hollywood, either with writing or directing or something, makes some changes to that. And it's not as historically accurate as it actually was when it occurred. I would say this movie, I'd give it like probably a B plus a minus for historical accuracy. Like there's a few things that did not happen, but most of it seems to be fairly historically accurate, which is good. But sometimes in movies that we watch, it's like, Oh yeah, that's based on a historical event, but 75% of the stuff in the movie didn't actually happen in, in real life. Yeah. I'd give it a C plus for that because okay. I, only because the stuff that 
really tugged at my heartstrings was the stuff that wasn't factual. So I, I felt like yeah, yeah. I, I really did feel like I was lied to at this with this movie, but it was still extremely well done. I just don't I don't like some of the things that Hollywood chooses to do just to make it like pretty or tie some story up and wrap it with a bow and give it a happy ending. I don't always like the artistic licenses they take. Yeah, like why? I mean, if Trump or sorry, not Trump, if Nixon and uh, Frost were not friends in real life, then why mm-hmm. did they kind of put that in at the end of the movie? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't you know. could just leave it and say that they were, you know, they maybe respected each other. But it's not like they like they come to the golf course and, you know, they exchange gifts and everything like that. So it seems like they're just buddy buddy after doing these very intense political interviews right. for you know, multiple hours on end. So yeah, stuff like that. It's like, I get you want to kind of have like a happy ending, but like if the real life story didn't have a happy ending, then like we don't need one in the movie. Like not every movie has to have a a happy ending. Even the, even the phone call that doesn't bother me as much because even if that phone call didn't happen, he did make phone calls like that. Like there is a tinge of truth to that. Mm -hmm. And they were usually like ridiculous phone calls with inappropriate language on it. And because he was known for that, too, having a a really like a potty mouth, if you will. But so that doesn't bother me. It's the stuff at the end that was so sweet. Like these guys were friends and respected (laughs) each other when I don't think they did. I feel like they were adversaries. But anyway, also. So, Jared, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I thought I am not at all saying the hair and makeup crew didn't do a phenomenal job. But I didn't think Langella looked a ton like Nixon. I thought he looked super tan. And he had dark eyes and I could see the hairstyle they were trying to do it. But he, at least on screen, didn't look as much like Nixon to me as I think some other people may have. No, like there's I'm looking at side by side photos of the two of them now. And yeah, there's not a ton of similarities between the two. I mean, he's probably the right age to play Richard Nixon in this movie. That would maybe be the only thing. Um, But like from facial structure the hair is kind of similar but even that's a little different so um but yeah they don't look very close to each other you know like trying to pick an actor that looks like richard nixon yeah and i i don't actually know anybody nobody comes to mind that looks like richard nixon but when i think of things like um when gary oldman played churchill I could yeah. not tell that was Gary Oldman. Like that's how good yeah, that was. Yep. And so I'm not, I am not um, docking Langella's acting ability. I'm just saying like looks wise, if we based it on looks, I didn't think he was the best fit as Nixon. No. So yeah. I think he did do a pretty decent job of like, at least trying to capture like Nixon's voice. Oh, the um, voice was trying- excellent. Yeah. 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 Like he did really good with that. But yeah, you're right. Just the way that they look isn't really super similar to each other. So yeah. And, and, and I- as we've seen with like current day movies, you can really do a lot in hair and makeup to like change that up if you want to. Yeah. If I had closed my eyes and just listened to him talk, I would have thought it was Nixon talking like the cadence of his speaking. Everything he did sounded like Nixon. Um, It's more that I think if we're talking about just purely based on looks, I think he probably looked more like Nixon in the play when you're sitting a little farther away or you might even be sitting closer. But plays, I feel like there's you're aware it's not real. Whereas a movie, I think it's easier to think it's you're watching something really happen in life. I don't know if that's the case for everybody. That's just something I noticed. And it took me out of it a couple of times because I could see Langella, not Nixon. Do you have any other uh, dislikes before we move on to our grades? No, I am ready to go. 
Okay, uh, who went first last week? I don't remember. This is a recurring I theme. I don't remember either. I, I think, think I, you did. I think I did, yeah. 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 Okay, well, I'll go ahead and go first for Frostnix and then okay. really enjoy this movie. This is my second time watching it, and it's really solid character study and also, you know, a history lesson as well. So I'm going to go 86 out of 100 for Frostnix. Okay. So pretty highly rated. Did really like it. I don't know if it's a movie that I would rewatch a ton. Like, it's probably been five years since I watched it before I rewatched it for this episode. And I think that was like a good amount of time because I had forgotten some of the things that had happened and it was interesting to me. And I think if you're a little bit older, it may be more interesting to you as well. Like, just as you learn more about history and and life and things like that. Or if you're really interested in history or presidents or something, then you're definitely going to find it interesting. So, and there's some interesting stuff in it about television as well. Um, so if you like that side of things, they talk about TV and, and stuff like that, too. But 86 out of 100 for for me for this one. Excellent. I thought, like I said, the movie is a little slow in the beginning. Um, there's things mm-hmm. I don't like about the historical inaccuracies. But this is once again, this is exactly the kind of film I really get interested in, not just because it's about Watergate, but I love dramatic movies and anything to do with trials or journalism. So this is this is right up my alley. So I am very close to the critics. I'm giving it a 92. Okay, very nice. So that's our grades for Frost Nixon. 86 from me, 92 from Katie. And you can listen to the Silver Screen Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, maybe Spotify, tune in. We're in a lot of different places, Stitcher as well. And follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. And then just search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook and we'll pop up there. And wherever you listen, if you don't mind to rate and review the show, that really helps us out. Give us a star rating, write a little review. We always definitely appreciate those. And we're going to continue our political movie series coming up next week on the show with a movie that is also about Watergate. That is All the President's Men, a classic um, that was very highly regarded. It's a great movie. And Katie, I know you really enjoy this movie. And me being a communications major, we watched this when I was in college and had to, you know, write about it and things like that. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely a movie that I think you and I are both very familiar with. Yes, I remember the first time I saw this. This might have been when my Watergate obsession began. was in high school in my journalism class. We watched it, and I could not stop thinking about it. I don't even know how many times I've watched it, but when we did our top 10 favorite movies of all time, this is in my top 10. Yes, so starring Robert Redford, Dustin Hoffman, based on the real-life journalist Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward, who we mentioned earlier in this episode. So we'll talk more about that next week on the show when we review All the President's Men here on the Silver Screen Podcast. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy. 